Welcome to the She's Electric podcast. We're in the business of helping you to be your best self. Click subscribe so we can help you have more money, more success, more love, more laughter, and more time for you. I'm Pia. And I'm Kaya. Now let's get on with this episode. Welcome to the She's Electric podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is part two in a three-part series where Kaya and I are discussing some of the insights that I learned through the challenging experience that is labor and the fourth trimester. Today's episode is going to be all about energy and the importance of managing your energy so that you can then manage your mind, which then shapes your external world and everything that happens to you in your life. So I have had a huge respect for energy, for my own energy over the last three months, because having, growing a human, birthing a human and breastfeeding or feeding a human from your body is the highest energetic load that the human body experiences. It's a higher demand than athletes doing the Tour de France. So energy management. Hear that. I mean, it's act, it's, We are treated like this is just something normal, you know, during your first trimester, get back into work, you know, just get on with things. It what I want people to realize or what I what I want to acknowledge here is the huge energetic demand that it is growing a human. One thing that has been really helpful to me after having a baby is to view myself as a walking battery. So I'm really going, am I at 20 percent? Am I at 80%. And that's just a really, really easy way for me to go, okay, I'm down around 20%. I need to do something here to to get my energy back up. I love this metaphor. It's just so simple. And it's such an easy way for you to check in because we've talked about it before about when you're having a conversation with your partner and checking in Mm -hmm. about where you're at. But if you are a battery and Mm -hmm. you are at 20%, that's really useful information about what needs to happen next. Absolutely. And I spoke in the previous episode about there's a really, really fine balance of of hormones at play in your body. So all these different hormonal processes are happening. Your body needs to create a certain amount of cortisol in order to get milk production going. So cortisol can actually rise in our bodies after having a baby really, really easily because it's it's always humming there all the time. And so If you factor in women not eating the right food after having a baby, easy to digest foods. So think of things that are greasy. Um, Your body has to really, really work. So junk food, you have to really work to to digest that. And then if you're doing things like you're on your phone a lot, which is very, very draining on the brain, your brain actually needs to be in quite a quiet place, a quiet kind of dark place. We talk about this in the first 40 days. All of these things are drains on the battery. And so when I look at all the women that I know from my past, when I look at my my granny, when I look at my mother, when I look at women who have come before me, I, I see this version of motherhood that I just, I really don't buy into. And this is this, this whole idea that we sacrifice ourselves to our family. We sacrifice our, our energy to our children. And 
I challenge that because I think the greatest gift that you can give your family is actually managing your energy first because nobody can pour from an empty cup. I cannot feed Rafi if I'm not feeding my body first. If I'm not giving myself energy first, there is no milk there for him to have. And I've really learned that over the last while. And I, I came across a meme. I'm sure some people have, have read it, but it really, really touched my heart because I know this to be true. And I really, I want us to, to change the narrative on this. So it says, growing up, I never knew a relaxed woman. Successful women? Yes. Productive women? Plenty. Anxious and afraid and apologetic women? Heaps of them. But relaxed women? At ease women, women who aren't afraid to take up space in the world, women who prioritize rest and pleasure and play, women who give themselves unconditional permission to relax without guilt, without apology, without feeling like they need to earn it. I'm not sure I've ever met a woman like that, but I would like to become one. I love that. It's literally giving me goosebumps. I think when you were talking before about this narrative we've seen play out in front of us and also is perpetrated within the society that we live in of this, you know, sacrificial mother and children above all else. What was coming up for me is just the words, there is another way. There is another way. Absolutely. This is something that the problem is, though, that our society is conditioned to do it the sacrificial way that the expectation for a lot of people is that as soon as you have a baby, it, the pressure is on to get your body back, to get back, to go see your friends, to have visitors over into the house, welcome them into your home. And that has you running around looking after them instead of them looking after you. And one thing I, I really noticed, I read the first 40 days and I read this other book called The Golden Month, which is The Golden Month has interviews with women who grew up in traditional cultures. So they would have grown up in, in quite traditional tribes where they have this philosophy of after a woman has a baby for the first 40 days, she is looked after. Her only job is to look after her baby, but our job is to look after her. And she is given a particular type of diet that's easy to digest. She is given daily massage because that helps to create oxytocin in her body. And she is given so much time to rest. So the women in the village would all come together and they would take uh, the baby away from uh, away from her so that she can sleep. And so in the book, they talk about this ancient Ayurvedic medical text, which was written 1500 years ago, right? And this is such, it's such a groundbreaking thing that it says, and it's something that we have forgotten about, which is the woman plays the key role in the ashrama, is what they say. Hence, the health of the woman should be protected by all means. If woman is protected, she in turn will protect the whole community. It's so beautiful. I have actually read numerous ancient yoga texts and one of the things that always comes through when I read them is that they are so modern. Right, like yes. You read them and it's not like reading the Old Testament. Even the language, it's simple, yes. it's direct. Mm -hmm. it's, there's a lot of clarity in there, but it, I always read them and think, God, this is so modern. If you told somebody that this was written like in the last 20 years, they would believe mm -hmm. it because it reads like that. And I found it so interesting when you were talking about the different emotions that women are experiencing because recently in one of one of uh, my 
sessions with my own coach, just to give some context, I would say that I am somebody who I give myself a lot of time. I'm super focused on managing my energy. I invest time and effort into cultivating a healthy mindset and my Mm -hmm. mental fitness is strong. And yet when we were exploring the place from which I'm operating, Mm. This word that kept coming up was that I am selfish, I am selfish, I am selfish. I'm doing all of those things, but it's with the belief that because I'm doing all of those things that are very different to what I see other people, especially women doing around me, I am selfish. Mm-hmm. That's very different. Doing all of those things and thinking I am like wise, it's a very different energy to I'm selfish. Exactly. And I think that we have, we've normalized the fact that women are basically overstressed, overwhelmed and angry. And that's why you get all these angry mothers. You get all these angry women. What I have observed over the last three months is that when you don't manage your energy, cortisol takes over the car. You you cannot feel calm. You cannot feel relaxed because oxytocin cannot bind to that receptor. And you are wired. Your entire nervous system is, is flaring up. And because of that, then because this, all the hormones are out of balance in your body, that starts to impact your mind and your mind starts to feel anxious. And then it leads to postnatal anxiety and it leads to postnatal depression uh, in some cases. But I think there's a lot more women than we realize going around society who have not built themselves back up. They have not built up their nutrients after the huge energetic load that is birthing a human and, and growing a human. And they're just going around in this state of cortisol Um and adrenal fatigue, fatigue, and they just, they, we've all accepted that this is the baseline. What this is really bringing up for me is that I, I'm absolutely like here with you for what you're saying about the female experience of growing, birthing and sustaining a human. But for me, it's, it's bigger than just what's happening for women. I think this is what's happening in society. Agreed. And what I actually think it, it's about is something which I heard Michael Bostick, who is a serial entrepreneur that I very much enjoy, talking about a while ago that really it really stuck in my mind I've been thinking about it since which is that a lot of people have got these values in the wrong order and the values are the most important thing is your physical health Mm -hmm. the next most important thing is like your mental health and your mental fitness then it's your partner Mm -hmm. your relationship then it's your children Mm -hmm. and then it's your job yeah And a lot of people, they've got that order in reverse. They've got their job is important, then their children, then their partner, then their mental health, and then their physical health. Yes, in that order, I would agree. The same is true for men who've got like young children right now. What are you doing to keep your physical health like absolutely in peak? Mm -hmm. Right? What are you doing to take care of like your mental health I think that what a lot of people start doing is they start going I've got all these things to do I've got to do all this for my children I've got to do all this for my Mm -hmm. work and Mm -hmm. they start to neglect themselves it's a pattern of society they look around and you're not successful because there's no part of you that's looking after you absolutely like your physical health's gone to shit you're totally stressed out all the time you're anxious you're overthinking you're worrying do you know what I mean like that's not that's not a full and abundant life it's also it's a completely counterproductive life because if you are putting your kids at the top of the, say your job at the top and then your kids at the top, you cannot give to your kids when you are in that angry, overwhelmed, stressed state. You are, And I know myself, I don't manage, 
it's martyrdom. Exactly. And when I'm in that state, I'm a terrible mother to Enzo. I am not. I am angry. I shout at him. He doesn't need that. But even if you're being a great mother to your child in that moment, mm. my question is, is what are you modeling for your children? You're modeling that they don't, the individual doesn't matter. Yeah. You're modeling that health is not important. Yeah. Having a good diet isn't important. Taking care of your body isn't important. You shouldn't be grateful for the beautiful functioning body that you have. Mm. Yeah. Right. And you're also modeling this kind of sense of self-centeredness that they are going to develop. Like how are they going to be in a healthy relationship when they grow up thinking that they're the center of the universe? Yeah, absolutely. Entitlement, like you're literally breeding laziness and entitlement into your children by making them the center of the universe. I never looked at it like that, but that's exactly what that does. And there's something in Ireland, it's it's called the Irish Mammy. And so the Irish Mammy is the absolute epitome of a woman who sacrifices herself for her children. She, and I remember I I dated a guy uh, before and he said, he was from the West of Ireland and he, and he said, the Irish mammy is a very dangerous thing. And I, I said, what do you mean? And he said, they do everything for you. And because of that, you can't do anything for yourself when you become an adult. And so he had grown up with this, uh, seeing his mother do everything for them at the expense of her own energy, at the expense of her own health. And it didn't help him. It didn't help him be a better adult. It didn't it didn't model good behavior for him. And so what I'm saying today is that us looking after ourselves and, and putting our energy first is what we are going to nurture our family with. It's not the other way around. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I've read a lot of things about the more from a more from an American stance where mm. mental health issues in young people there are there is hypotheses now about the fact that lack of resilience comes from totally protecting your child never letting them fail mm-hmm. never letting them have to not do well at something not win at this you're not preparing children for like real life yeah when you protect yeah. them all your ta- all the time and then when they're out of that protective bubble they don't have the skills yeah they don't have that resilience muscle to to lean on they don't have that confidence muscle because they had to learn how to get a job to make get money or whatever it is and there's a really good saying you're making me think of it is that our our children don't do what we say they do what we do and so children are always observing what we do and it was actually funny I was trying to get Enzo to meditate with me the other day so I was I'm just Sitting there, I closed my eyes. Now, with a two-year-old, it lasted. He literally sat down, I'd say, for half a millisecond, and then he got up, and he he just didn't engage. But if he sees me do that, the more that he sees me do that and take that time just to be silent, just to go inward, and just to reconnect with myself, my hope is, I don't know, I can't prove this yet, but that he will start to do that, and he will start to engage with that practice. So one of the things that I've really noticed uh, over the last 40 days, so for, for my first 40 days, I really, really prioritized rest. This was something that I had set up in my house. I had a doula come in to help look after me. I um, had my ha- my cupboards, my larders, everything full of food so that I could really eat properly and eat really, really well. And it was funny on the first day that my doula came in, she, she, the house was beautiful. I was like the epitome of new mother glow. And, <laughs> and she, she left and then she came in two days later and the house was total chaos. I hadn't showered in days. I was exhausted. <laughs> a big pale face. Enzo was running around screaming. Rappy was screaming. <laughs> he wasn't latching. And she walked in and she went, 
ah, I believe this now a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny that she was then able to come in and just start to put me back together. So what I needed in that moment, I just, I hadn't had sleep and not having sleep. I didn't have energy. I wasn't able to tackle my day. And because of that, my mindset was escalating. This was when I, I was in the middle of the spiral down of Rafi has colic. It's going to be a difficult, he's going to be a difficult baby. I'm not going to get sleep. And I was picturing my life six months ahead where I was, I hadn't slept a full night. What she did in that moment was to take the baby. I had a shower. And instead of then going on my phone, and I know I, I when you are in a stress state, we dive, default back into mindless activities and scrolling on your phone and going onto Instagram is a very automatic response because I was really observing my energy. I could see that when I was watching TV, when I was on my phone and when I was reading books, that was really depleting my energy. That was wearing down my battery. And so it was in those moments I said, OK, I need to fill my battery back. And so it would always start with food. I need to get food. I need to get fuel into me. And then I would go somewhere. Maybe it wouldn't be my bed. I would go to a couch somewhere. I'd put on my eye mask. I'd put on noise cancelling headphones and I would just put on a meditation. Sometimes I was too wired for it to be a meditation music. It would actually be a guided meditation that would just get me out of my head and into my body. And I would usually, because I was slowly um, doing a a guided meditation that was focusing on my body, I would eventually just fall asleep. Whereas if you're going from a very, very stressed state and then you're putting yourself in your bed and you're saying, okay, sleep, you're not going to sleep. And this is the biggest thing that nobody told me when I had a baby that everyone says, oh, you get so little sleep. But it's the fact that you can't sleep because mm. your cortisol levels, your your nervous system is firing at all at, at, at full, full velocity and you can't sleep. So you have to First of all, have empathy for yourself, you know, and, and what I the way I described it and the way I pictured it was rupture and repair. So I would be in the emotion. My energy would slowly be waning. I wasn't managing it. And then I would try to have a nap. Then that's when Rafi would act up all these things that are thrown at you in 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 early days, motherhood. And then I'd be I'd be in almost kind of like the, the reptilian brain. I was just feeling the emotion, but I wasn't rising above it. And then that's when I would break. So I would have the rupture. It was like my glass would just pour out. That's when the tears would happen. That's when I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then it was, I, I would go into, okay, reset. It's time for repair. And the repair would happen with food, meditation, or just not even the word meditation, stillness. I just needed to, to power out the world so that I could power myself back up. I absolutely love it. And it's so interesting, isn't it? That you can get all of these like little nuggets of wisdom from your body during this time when you are highly sensitive mm. because you are in this stage of fourth trimester where you're you're super sensitive to energy because that's what your body's primed you to do to be sensitive to your baby and to what's going on right it's an opportunity because so many of these little things that you're you're mentioning they're not just applicable now they're applicable in your life all the time this is the wisdom that's going to sustain 60 degrees success uh, exactly and this is what what i've learned over the last three months this is what i'm taking into the rest of my life and what i found was when i when i shut out the world and i powered down and i really prioritized my energy that made me more observant as to what was going on around me. So 
instead of being on my phone when Rafi was feeding, I would watch him because, because I realized that my phone was draining my energy. So I'd watch him and then I'd look at him after he fed. And what I started to see with Rafi was these little cues, you know, that maybe he wasn't latching properly or little cues that he hadn't had enough to eat. So I'd put him back on the boob. But if I had the TV on, which is what I did with Enzo, I would have the TV on. I'd have, you know, other things playing, all these distractions going. And what I was missing out on were these cues coming in from my baby that was telling me that something was that he wasn't fully satisfied or he, he needed something else from me. And then by, by noticing that I was able to intervene in that moment and then it wasn't it didn't escalate. Whereas when I was stuck on the phone and believe me, this it happened a lot. I felt a real addiction to my phone during this time because my energy was low. And what I ended up doing to stop that is I, I got an app called Offscreen. It's pretty cheap. I think it's a fiver for the year. And it I, I actually block out certain apps on my phone for, for the morning time when my energy, I think that's when I can cultivate energy. Um, and so I just can't go into Instagram. I can't go into any of these social media apps and it's I don't miss it. The amazing thing is I just don't miss it. So that has been a game changer. If you can't trust yourself not to do these things, don't give yourself the temptation. I absolutely love that tip because you're being real. We're all addicted to our phones. We're human beings. Phones are designed to be addictive. There was so much of what you were saying there that I really resonate with, even though I'm not in the fourth trimester and I haven't mm -hmm. just had a baby, which is that often when I finish work, I am pumped. Adrenaline is high. Yeah. And so that's the time when I start going on my phone or even watching a mindless television. It's addictive. It's I'm drawn to it because mm -hmm. I feel like I need to recharge and I'm associating social media or mind numbing reality television with being a treat. Yeah. I've really been working on noticing this and working on this myself because you're interrupting this pattern. Like it's exactly mm -hmm. the same as you put this thing on your phone to stop yourself. I've got this hard boundary where I'm like, you're not going on your phone. Listen, I break it half of the time. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, interesting. Why have you done it again? What is going on? Yeah. And I'm like, what is going on is that you you think it's this sort of like little break for yourself and that like mm -hmm. you're tired and so you deserve it or whatever it's that curiosity thing again I'm not judging myself and being like you're a failure you're doing it again it's like what is going on why do I keep doing this and it's addiction and it's there's some sort of like association with the thing and yeah. you can create a new association like I have been doing getting into bed and reading mm -hmm. yes and creating that new habit doing a face mask I've been doing so many face masks in the evening. It's because nice. I need some sort of ritual, which is treating myself. Yes. You know? That's like yeah. nourishing. It's recognizing that I, there's something that I want in the evening when I'm tired and I've worked all day. Or there's something that you want after you're caring for your baby all the time. You want mm -hmm. something for yourself. Yes. Yes. I'm so happy to hear you say that word ritual, because I think rituals are a really, really good way of bringing your energy down from that overstressed state into that calm state. And we spend so much time trying to protect the environment for our babies, but we need to protect the environment for ourselves. And one thing I so far have had now two babies that are sleeping great. Uh, and we've always been huge about having rituals ar around their bedtime. And you cannot take a baby from being having people looking at it all day, being in bright lights, all these things, and then put it into a dark room and expect that baby to sleep. The same is true for ourselves. So I actually, I got this really amazing skincare kit. 
it's funny that you talk about face masks and it's got all these different stages. It's you've got the cleanser, you've got a, a sort of a rose water toner. It's basically four different steps. And that's a huge part in my wind down routine. It's where I feel like I'm pouring back into myself. Yes, and girl, so- I can't get enough of like a skincare routine in the evening. Yeah. And it's like, I also do it sometimes in the morning when I've had a really shitty night and I, yeah. Rappi just hasn't it. slept. And I'm like, I feel like shit. My skin is dull. And then I just, and I go and I, I make myself a nice cup of, of hot cacao, which I just feel feeds my heart. It's just amazing. People say that cacao is heart opening because it opens up the valves in your heart. And I really feel that when I drink it. And then I do the little skincare routine and I, and you know, after I've had a shower and I just, come back and my energy is still shit but I feel like that I have I've given myself that little something yeah definitely I I absolutely love the um evening and morning skincare routine I sometimes I hear people saying I don't have time for that and it's like no you're just not prioritizing it you know like we've all got the same amount of time and if like we don't need to judge that one thing is good and one thing is bad Mm -hmm. let's just get curious it's like why don't you have enough time what yes. is it that you're giving time to instead of this? I, I mean, I hear that that excuse, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time so much to the point that this is something that I've really, really observed over the last um, three months. And I want us to do a full episode on time and how you can create more time in your day, because it's when you are in the automatic responses, the reptilian brain that's when it feels like time is closing in on you. And when your day is far too packed with things and you're getting up and you're you're on your phone and you're reading negative news and then you're dealing with screaming toddlers and then you're going in, you're reading emails and it feels like the entire time, like the world is closing in on you. And the way that you create, that I have been creating more time is by creating space, by shutting out all that noise, shutting out all that world, that all, all that busyness. And then starting to fill back up my battery. Beautiful. So on that note of imagining ourselves as a battery and noticing what charge we are at at this particular moment and what is it that we need. Thank you all so much for joining us today. And thank you to Pia for coming back to the pod. It's so good to have you back. And leaving it all today with the encouragement to remember that the greatest gift that you can give the people that you love is putting yourself first. How can you do that today? Thank you for giving us your time. Did you know that you could change someone's day today just by sharing this episode? Our mission is to help women. We all want more money, more success, more love, more laughter and more time for ourselves. Women Helping Women is how we're going to get there.